HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. HRN is food radio supported by you. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. HRN is food radio supported by you. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. Hello, listeners. It's great to be back for another fall season of Cutting the Curd. Thank you for joining us for this episode. This is Jessica, and I hope you had a great summer. One of the things I did this summer was attend the Fancy Food Show, where I met two of our three guests today. And after chatting with them for a few minutes, I asked if they would come on and share their story with us. Today, we are joined by Paul Farashedian of Erevan Yogurt, and Emiliano and Lori Tatar of Marion Park Cheese. They are here to talk about Lovnet and their collaboration to produce their own, which they call Lovnet. The name makes sense because both of these companies are in the Philadelphia area, that city of brotherly love. And this really is a story about a labor of love and a love for a cheese and collaboration. Paul, Emmy, and Lori, welcome to Cutting the Curd. Thanks, Jessica. Thank you so much. Glad to be here. So I'm so excited to have three guests on. We're kicking off the new fall season with um, a high bar here. So, Emmy, can we start with you? Can you set the stage for us uh, and tell us, before we go back in time, what is Labna and what is Lovna? Yeah, um, so Labna um, is a strained yogurt product. Uh, basically what that means is uh, you start with yogurt and uh, then you drain out the whey through by, by gravity, typically with uh, no pressure. Um, and uh, after a while, uh, removing the whey produces uh, a tangy, um, thicker and uh, smoother version of the yogurt. Uh, you then take that product and you add the right amount of salt, and that is basically it. You uh, produce what is um, known throughout m- large regions in the world um, as Lavna. Um, you can find this product um, being ubiquitously used in um, the Middle East, uh, the Balkans, um, and, and other countries. Um, it's typically eaten as a dip or a spread um, or as a base or additive um, for rice. 
so um that's yeah that's the story and, and then love now is our our american version of this product um you know what what makes our product special and unique is that uh we use local milk uh, from Bucks County, which is um, a suburban area of Philadelphia. Um, we get that milk from uh, one family farm. And um, Paul then uh, makes his Erevan yogurt, um, which is a great base for Labna because it is tangy, and creamy and it has it's it's a little more diluted has more whey in it um and then uh paul who manufactures the product will uh drain it himself in his facility and pack it there so uh, you recently won a great taste award as well for levna we did that was a huge honor congratulations Uh, thank you so yeah so we got one star yeah now you're gonna have the little Great taste award symbol on your Lovna. <laughs> yeah, we, we started uh, slapping those stickers on a few weeks ago. So what was missing from Lovna that you could find already on the market that inspired you to do this yourself? Yeah, so, um, so I grew up part of my life in uh, the Middle East, in Israel. Um, specifically, I grew up in uh, northern Israel uh, where... Um, there were, uh, people from Lebanon who, uh, used to come and work in Israel. Um, and there's also another population, um, of Druze, um, folks who, um, it, that's sort of like a, an offshoot of Islam, uh, different religion than Islam, but they live within Israel, specifically in Northern Israel. And both those populations make and use Labna, uh, in their cuisine. So I was exposed to it, um, from an early age. And, and to me, this, it was something that you put out on your table, your middle Eastern table, just like hummus. Um, it's, it's, you see it everywhere. It wasn't really anything you thought twice about, but then when I moved to the United States, uh, it was actually really hard to find this product made in the same way that they make it over there. Um, what I find here is that, uh, what you find on the shelves are usually mass produced versions, uh, which, uh, simulate labna, but don't really replicate uh, the product that I'm used. I was used to. Um, it's not. It doesn't have the right tang. It doesn't have the right texture. Um, and also, it loses. Um, you know, I, I, the milk that's used. I, I think is probably not as high quality. So you lose a lot of those herbal, grassy notes that you would get from grass-fed cows. Um, and so it was really kind of a one-dimensional product and I really missed it. I thought we could do something better. And when I discovered Paul's yogurt, I thought this is the perfect yogurt to make lobinet. And turns out it makes amazing lobinet. So before we started today, we had a conversation like I love to talk with people uh, before the interview and you said without the yogurt there would be no love so Paul I'm going to throw this over to you you have been making uh, Armenian style yogurt at Erevan mm-hmm. uh, uh, 50 years is that how Over, long? Oh, since 1970 since 1970 okay well that's 53 years 
guess how I, I will that. I will add I will add that without Emmy and Lori there would be no love now. <laughs> it, it's well, just the way it is. It's a, it's a it's a perfect match. It really is. I love that. I love that. So can you tell us about your company and your uh, your history making this particular yogurt that got you to this point that caught um, Emmy and Lori's attention? Well, sure. The our yogurt. Um, began, as I said, in 1970 in our, in our kitchen, in my mother's kitchen. You know, I was very young. I remember coloring in labels because this was such a, we were selling in the health food industry and it was really very, a, a very small industry 50 years ago, as you can imagine. Um, my, my, my mother got involved, uh, got interested in health foods and she would send my father to a health food store, probably the only one in the area, uh, way before Whole Foods, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and he would stop by and pick up you know, items on the way home from work. And he looked over at the, the there was a yogurt on the shelf in the store. And uh, my father said, oh, my, my wife makes that. I don't, I'm not going to buy that. My wife makes it already. And the, and the owner of the store said, have her make it for me. I will sell it. This company's going out of business. We got it. We have a spot for you. So my mother just started making yogurt. One store, two, three, ten, and then distributors started seeing it. And fifty years later, fast forward fifty years, we're you know we're in Whole Foods. We're in a, a very wide variety of stores, but interestingly, not typically like the cheese shops and the, the kind of places where our our labna is found. Uh, so they're really different customers. Uh, my wife made labna in our kitchen uh, just for personal use. It's a very traditional Armenian dish, uh, uh, ingredient, um, just a staple. It's a staple, as, as Emmy said. And uh, so really wasn't on my radar to pivot to labna mm-hmm. as even though occasionally I would get asked about it, I would get asked about it, but it wasn't until this Jewish Argentinian pediatrician <laughs> called me and, and he had me from that moment. <laughs> drawn to him. And I grew up in a very Jewish neighborhood. So I even had a, a, an honorary bar mitzvah in my friend's driveway. So I felt very connected to uh, Emmy and, and then Lori. So we both share feelings of guilt. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. So um, I do want to just ask you specifically about Armenian yogurt. It's called uh, madzun. That's the Armenian word. It, madzun is yogurt. It's just a translation. Right. So or, yeah. like Chev, we, but we tend to, you know, we refer to everything, uh, you know, fresh goat milk, cheese is Chev, but um but uh, Madzun being Arme- being the name for yogurt in Armenia, uh, what is to you the, the thing that makes it distinct from other yogurt on the market? Well, what, what my mother realized was when she started it was that there was, um, there's the very commercial yogurt. And then we didn't want to just make a traditional kind of basic co- uh, commercial yogurt. She wanted to use a probiotic 
acidophilus only. So it created a very tangy yogurt and it had a very specific, you know, specific interest in it. Uh, some people were would scrunch up their nose and couldn't handle it. And others were like, wow, where has this been all my life? Mm. So, so we found a, a niche market with the very, very tangy ty- type of yogurt. Um, and it is, we've, we've got loyal, great, loyal, longtime customers, um, 50 years. It's not often you have 50 year product. And I, and here I am, you know, I'm in my sixties and I'm, you know, starting to think about retirement, training my daughter to take over. And probably the last thing I really was looking for was a big major pivot <laughs> just before I retired. But uh, I was swept up in all the excitement, and uh, I'm certainly glad I I was. So the way you two came together, this makes me laugh every time I think about it since you first told me. Emmy, you called them because uh, Paul's company had the word dairy in it. Yeah, so this was uh, <laughs> about I guess, six oh, years ago, oh, yeah, something like six or seven years ago. Um, so, so at that point, I was uh, starting uh, a very small uh, business making H cheeses. Uh, I was trying to make American versions of um, British territorial cheeses, specifically Carefillies. And um, what I needed was, as an urban cheesemaker, I needed a milk source. And um, I basically Googled what's around me in terms of people with cows. And um, one of the names that came up because of the word, because his company is, is, is Erevan Dairy, um, it came up as a hit on Google. And so I called him um, and I said, uh, I asked him, hey, do you, do you have milk? Do you have animals? And he said, no, 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 we're uh, a yogurt um, manufacturer. Uh, and I said, oh, well, well I'm, I'm sorry to bother you. Thank you so much. And then very kindly, Paul said, uh, wait, wait, what are you trying to do? And um, we got into this whole conversation and I told him I'm, I'm looking for a milk source. And he said, well, let me think about it. Um, and then we got in touch later that week, I think. And he said, you know what? I go to a farm and get milk to make my yogurt. And it's really not a problem for me to get some extra and sell it to you. And uh, that's how we connected. That's wild. That's wonderful. Now, Lori, did you always share this passion for cheese making that Emmy had? And how, how did you approach this whole new part of your life? Because you guys have other careers. Yes. This is not so, your main gig. <laughs> no, no. So the short answer to your question is definitely no. <laughs> um, when uh, Emmy approached me when we had our second child who was just a baby and said, I think I want to start a business selling the aged cheese that I've been making as a hobby. Um, there, there definitely was some very serious conversations and me saying, I think you're out of your mind and we're not doing this. Um, and he pretty much when he was doing the age cheeses, did it mostly on his own. And I was, you know, raising our two young kids, uh, which he definitely participated in too. I don't want you to get, get you wrong, but, mm-hmm. um, but, uh, you know, he did most of the cheese stuff on his own. 
Um, and then more recently after COVID and as the kids were getting bigger, um, you know, they started to get more involved. And when we were doing the age cheeses, he would have them putting labels on things and coming with him on deliveries. And now really, I would say it's, it, you know, this is a family affair. Um, you know, as you mentioned before, we're, we're both actually pediatricians. And so, uh, I'm still practicing part-time. And then I work on the side doing the cheese business stuff. Uh, and uh, it, it's really been fun, honestly. I, I love to cook and it, this is uh, to be involved in kind of the restaurant world and uh, you know, meeting people and going into restaurants and trying to help satisfy their needs um, just ha has really been very fun for me and uh, a change of pace from, from my daily job. Um, and I love working with Paul and calling him and saying, these are our orders for the week and having him discuss back with me all the, you know, the ups and downs of everything. You know, it, it's really been just a very, very uh, positive aspect in our lives. So how has the reception been? Because uh, Labne, I know th there are some very high profile restaurants in Philadelphia that, you know, are... Um, destinations for Israeli and Middle Eastern and Eastern European cooking. Uh, but um, to have you found that's primarily the, uh, the type of account that you're selling to, or have you been able to widen the field? Like, are, are you getting a reception from across the city or are you finding that right now it's really just those who already know what Labne is? Um. Well, the, we had um, uh, the great luck of early on in the in Labna production, in the beginning of this project, uh, of being able to sell our Labna to uh, Zahav Restaurant, which um, I, I think a lot of people know. Um, New Yorkers will will be familiar with um, the restaurant from the same group, uh, Laser Wolf in Brooklyn. Um, and you know, Zahav is, is considered one of the best, um, I know Middle Eastern is, is not the best culinary description of it, but Middle Eastern Israeli, uh, Palestinian restaurants in, in the country. And, um, they've won multiple James Beard awards and been recognized many times. Uh, the chef and owner is Mike Solomonov. He's been, uh, you know, celebrated in that field of cooking and we were lucky enough, you know, I, sent him a message on Instagram and he's just incredibly kind and responded right away and said, yeah, bring it over. We'll try it. Um, and he was into it and we started selling there and that really gave us a platform to sell to others. It really legitimized the product to be accepted by them. So, um, you know, in the beginning I would say it was slow. Um, you know, we went from to, to different specialty shops and different restaurants and it, it they slowly started to get more, more and more customers. Um, and now it's actually, it's moving. Um, Paul um, also got us to a restaurant called Green Zone in Washington, D.C. They use a ton of our labna um, and, you know, we're, we're uh, expanding, um, hopefully soon entering the uh, New York market. We're, we're talking right now to some distributors there. Um, and so we, we have grown quite a bit since we started. 
And just to tack on to what Emmy said to, to just add on to your question, you know, maybe to start off, we were a little bit in more Middle Eastern restaurants, but I really think that we've broadened and, you know, sometimes we are lucky enough to see what chefs have done uh, with the labna. And really we've seen everything from French restaurants using it to make uh, desserts. And we've used, seen people um, use it in like really many, many different capacities, not just in Middle Eastern restaurants. Um, and on the retail side, we're really just in like, you know, gourmet grocery stores and cheese shops. It, it, I would say that the the Middle Eastern market for that is, is a very small percentage of what we're doing in the retail side of the business. It's, it's really just kind of in, in uh, places that carry high-end products. I was thinking about what Paul said earlier about the yogurt and, you know, the, the palate for a distinctively different tasting yogurt. Um, and I, and I think, I feel like fresh cheeses and cheese, cheese, cheese that you would consume every day in some way is really starting to have a moment in this country. And that people are starting to be able to tell the difference or appreciate, I should say, the subtle differences between these different styles of yogurt from different traditions. Do you do you get a sense of that? I feel like, if, you know, maybe 20 years ago, 15 years ago, yogurt was yogurt. And then, of course, we had the Greek yogurt explosion. But, um, you know, we started to see skier on the market and we started to see you know, fromage blanc has kind of popped in and out, but quark had started to find a place on the shelf. Are you seeing that as well? Well, there's there's so many yogurts. It's always a battle for shelf space. Um, so yes, there's it's constantly churning with new products, Bulgarian yogurts, and it, it just goes on and on. Um, so you know, we hold tightly to our loyal following. We always want to expand that into other areas. Um, and that just seems to be the pattern. It's uh, you have your, you have your loyal following and you try to introduce the product to new people to keep to keep people interested. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought that up, Jessica, because that, that has been um, somewhat of a challenge for us, but, but to answer your question, yes, I, I do think that there's a lot more variety, um, on the shelf for fresh cheeses, um, than you saw maybe 10, 20 years ago. Uh, I totally agree with you. And, you know, for us, so, it, you know, if you go to the Middle East or, or, um, Balkan countries, you, you'll just, you'll see Labne. It's, it's really just another staple in their fridge. Um, but it's relatively unknown in the U S and so that has been, sort of an interesting challenge for us um, is to is how to introduce a product that's essentially new to the country. It's not new to the, the folks who come from those regions uh, or from those cultures, but for a lot of, a lot of Americans, um, they don't know exactly what to do with Lovnet. Um, so, you know, we do have to, we, we did add some text on the box, giving suggestions and, and you know, we use shelf talkers uh, we connect with people, we talk to the chefs, give them ideas. Um, you know, for a place like Zahav, we don't need to explain anything. They know exactly what to do with it. But in other restaurants, like Lori said, non-Middle Eastern restaurants that have adopted, uh, adopted it, um, there, there has to be, there's an education piece for sure. 
Um, this is something different for the U.S. market. Um, and I guess if, you know, in, in the yogurt um, soft cheese market, which is, you know, this is a product that tastes very yogurty, but is tangier and is savory. Uh, so I think when Americans think of yogurt, they tend to think of it as either plain or with some kind of sweet additive, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so this is a sort of a, a brand new category. And on that, I'm going to say we're going to pause for a word from one of our great sponsors, and we'll be right back at Cutting the Curd. This episode is supported by HRN business members selected by Will Studd. Will Studd is the host of Cheese Slices, a unique documentary series about artisan cheese. Over 62 episodes filmed across 20 countries over two decades are a fabulous resource for anyone who loves cheese. Visit willstud.com, that's W-I-L-L-S-T-U-D-D.com, to learn more and to see the hand-selected special range of quality cheeses from Europe. Selected by Will Stud supports HRN's creative, educational reporting and storytelling that drive conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we're back. We're here talking with three wonderful guests from the Philadelphia area. We have Paul Farashetian from Erevan Dairy. They make Erevan yogurt. We have Emiliano and Lori Tatar of Merriam Park Cheese. And together, these three have created Lovne, which is a Lovne that is coming out of the city of brotherly love. And it's amazing. This is the second time I've talked to cheesemakers from that area you use the term urban cheesemaker yourself emmy and that is how um uh perrystead dairy also describes themselves as as urban cheesemakers so i wanted to you know talk a little bit about you said you were um making aged cheese and um and how did that start how did you get into interested in cheesemaking as a hobby yeah. Um, and, and by the way, while we're mentioning Perry said uh, creamy, I'm just going to put in a plug for their cheeses that are amazing. Yes. And it has nothing to do with the fact that you have Perry and I are excellent friends. So. <laughs> <laughs> Completely unbiased. Yeah. But um, so, so as you mentioned, um, I think it was mentioned before, um, uh, we have, Lori and I have two totally different careers uh, that, that are, you know, they're medical, they're, they're, scientific they're not focused really on on food or any any kind of artistic persuasion um but uh laurie and i both like food and to cook a lot and um you know i I, it's not unusual for um professionals to get to to seek a a hobby and um i one day i don't remember exactly where but I, i read about or saw a youtube video about home cheese making and got into it as a hobby and became immediately hooked um, and couldn't stop and wanted to try to make every type of cheese out there and did that for a while and then received some good feedback about the products from friends and family um, and people encouraged me to try to sell it. Um, And so I went through the process with the Department of Agriculture of Pennsylvania to 
get properly licensed in a small facility and started making our cheeses in, in small amounts. Um, was able to sell them through uh, the Bruno Brothers and some other local uh, retailers. And uh, that's kind of how I got into that business. Um, as Lori mentioned, around COVID, I, uh, I switched jobs to a job that um, made it harder for me to spend time um, making the cheeses and especially um, time spent on uh, aging uh, and affinage. And um, so I, I wanted to pivot. And um, one thing I had been doing is, so through the relationship with Paul, um, you know, when I would go get um, milk, every once in a while, I would um, sort of uh, tricking, trick him into giving me free yogurt. <laughs> and, um, well, you gave me some of your cheese. And- oh, there you go. Yeah. Well, yeah. Right, what else could I do? Um, and so he would just give me these cases of yogurt, uh, which is more than we could consume as a family. So I'd, I'd often have some leftover. And um, I started to make labna at home with it. And I realized that 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 tanginess that Paul was describing um, that's typical for his monsoon um, makes the perfect labnet, that that's, that's the perfect substrate. So um, I, at some point, you know, I wanted to keep my, my hand in the dairy world um, and in that business and the culinary world. So I went to Paul and I said, what do you think about this? And, um, you know, that's, that's all history from there. I love the fact that you are, um, you and Lori are both medical professionals. And, uh, so I'm assuming you agree that consuming, <laughs> uh, dairy products, high protein dairy products can be beneficial. Uh, and of course, Paul, you know, gave the throwback to the health food stores of the seventies. My parents used to go to those. I remember yeah. <laughs> I have very, very fond memories of those, those places. And now, of course, we see the integration with more of the commercial market, which is great. And um, so I I did want to also talk a little bit about collaboration. And we know in the cheese world, in cheese production, there's always a lot of collaboration, whether it's the traditional uh, methods like uh, and cooperatives, such as in Comte production, many of the Swiss cheese productions where you have the you have the um, farmers delivering their milk to the cheesemakers, and then the cheesemakers are working with the affineurs, and then the affineurs, of course, birth the cheeses out into the world. So this is a very unique collaboration. What makes it work? What do you think have been the keys to your collaborative relationship? Well, I think I, I think the the foremost is we really like each other. It's, it's not just business. It's, it's just a joy to, to work together. And we've really divided up the, the workload beautifully. It's, it really is. I mean, I know what I have to do. There's lots of conversations in the direction and focus of, of the business going forward, but we've really divided up um, the workload in a, in a way that plays to both of our strengths. Yeah, I, I 100% echo that, Paul. I mean, there's, and I think uh, Lori mentioned that too, there's there's real joy in working together. Um, we're, it, it, you know, I, I joked before about uh, sharing the guilt and all that, but I mean, there's, 
even though we come from two very distinct backgrounds and cultures, we're actually, I think, very similar in many ways. And we, we understand each other. And, and um, I would add, Paul, that there's a tremendous amount of respect. Um, so I, I think really what makes it work is it's just good vibes. <laughs> and I, if it's okay with both of you, I do want to give a nod to uh, talking about, you know, memory and both of you shared with me some family history that even though it was in different parts of the world and at different times, similar experiences, who knows how it gets into our DNA. Uh, but sounds like there's also some common uh, memory that continues to endure products like Labne and Madzun. Would you say that's accurate? Maybe it's like why you hit it off or you just understand each other on a certain, from a certain place. Maybe it's just like unspoken. Well, the, the Armenians have a, a very tragic history just as the Jews do. So there, that's always like a foundation. I think whenever I speak to uh, a member of the Jewish community is I understand, you know, we, we, we were, we were, you know, in a, in a massacre, mm -hmm. uh, the Ottoman Turks, uh, were targeting Armenians uh, during that, you know, the 1920 time. And uh, it, uh, it definitely is sort of a passed down trauma um, through my grandparents. And, and it's hard not to connect with people who have, you know, shared trauma like that. And you are, are you, um, you're not first generation here that you, your family came over to, did they come to Philadelphia specifically or? Well, they, the Armenians, when, when we had uh, this fleeing as a diaspora, because they would go anywhere the boat would take them, mm -hmm. you know? So, so my ancestors landed in the Philadelphia area, uh, but there's pockets all around the country, all around the world of Armenians because of that, of the trauma mm -hmm. uh, and the fleeing from, uh, from persecution and worse. Right. And, uh, Emmy, you were saying that your family, you, you had spent some time growing up in Israel, but you were born in Argentina. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, 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 and I just wanted to say that, that Paul and I have spoken, um, several times before about our sort of similar history of our, our people. Um, mm -hmm. and, uh, so it's not unspoken. It, it's definitely something that, that, is bonding and we've discussed, but yeah. Um, uh, yeah. My story is um, my family several generations back um, is from uh, Buenos Aires in Argentina. Um, I was born there. Uh, Buenos Aires has the largest Jewish community of South America. So uh, we're, you know, even though that might, it might sound uh, odd to people to hear about South American or Latino Jews that, that we exist. Mm -hmm. um, and uh so, uh, yeah, I was born in, uh, 73, um, and, um, a few years after that, 76, there was a, uh, a military coup, violent takeover, um, and, uh, you know, lots of, yeah, violence and, and bad stuff. And, uh, being Jewish, we were able to, to flee, uh, when I was about three years old and we went to Israel, um, and so lived there and, um, then intermittently, 
Um, then, then we moved to the U.S. and I went back and forth between those two countries. So, um, so yeah, that those shared sort of immigrant stories and and feelings and and influences, I think, are a huge part of our product and um, and a huge part of our collaboration. And Lori, did you have anything you wanted to share of your history here? I didn't get a chance to speak with you before. That's okay. Um, so mine is a little bit more boring, but I'm also from a Jewish background. Um, I did grow up in Maryland, um, but um, you know my family is also from Eastern Europe um, and uh, immigrated uh, pre World War II for the most part, um, mostly to the U.S. I had some family that came in through Canada. Um, but definitely, I mean, you don't grow up in a Jewish household without people talking about or being exposed to, um, you know, families that were deeply affected, um, by, you know, the Holocaust and, and the war. Um, and, uh, you know, I think that's a part of every Jewish kid growing up in the U.S. Mm -hmm. And Labna, do you have a memory of that or is that something that Emmy introduced you to? So honestly, it's something that Emmy introduced me to. Um, you know, I, I am not a shy eater and I will try pretty much anything. Um, and uh, he started making it for us as a family and I loved it. And uh, on our trips to Israel as a family together, uh, I've been four times with him. Um, you know, I have fond memories of eating it in, in many different capacities, um, whether it's by, you know, a Druze woman who's spreading it on pita at the side of the road um, or kind of in a restaurant or at family dinners. Um, you know, we've eaten it many, many times together. And I, I really do love it. So what are some of the ways you would recommend to people listening to this uh, podcast episode? What are ways you would recommend they would use Labna and even also Madzun uh, if they were to pick up some at a store or even try at home because <laughs> we do have a lot of home cheesemakers who listen. What are ways that you enjoy it uh, in your home? So I'm lucky because I have an endless supply of it. Basically. <laughs> um, so part of my job is always looking for different ways to use it. Um, certainly there's the traditional way of eating it, which is just to spread it on a plate and drizzle it with some olive oil and put some za'atar on top, um, and scoop it with, uh, you know, wedges of pita. Um, but I have used it, um, as a bed for grilled vegetables. Um, I've substituted it in baking recipes that require yogurt or sour cream. Um, I've put scoops of it into mashed potatoes um, instead of some of the milk and butter that goes into it. Um, I've used it as a spread on toast with fruit on top of it or with locks on top of it. There's just so many different ways, um, if you're creative, as to ways that you could use it that are really, truly delicious and very pretty, too, honestly. Yeah. And, and, and also, there, you know, one way to think about it is anywhere that you would add uh, sour cream. Ah. Anywhere that you would put sour cream, Lavin is a really cool and different substitute. It has a lot more uh, complexity and a different texture and a lot more tang. So um, especially if you're eating something that's on the fattier side, um, it really has a nice acidity to cut that. Yeah. You just kind of back off on the salt a little bit and put a scoop of it in and it's really delicious. Oh, that's true. That's, I, that's true. Like the, cause that tanginess and also cutting back on the salt, it would add some of those dimensions as well. Yeah. 
Paul, do you have any suggestions or even for Mudzoon? Like if I were to pick up some of your yogurt, is that something I would be mostly eating just out of the container with something or would I also be using it in different preparations? Well, I'd first want you to try it all by itself Mm -hmm. and take a picture of your face. (laughs) (laughs) I'd like to just include that in my my Hall of Fame. Um, But anything, lots lots of sweets and tangies go well with it. My my family loves to sprinkle in some homemade granola on it. Um, There's just it's an endless combination product mm-hmm. uh, we use it there's a there's a lot of mazun used in in armenian cooking uh as toppings on on top of uh casserole type dishes um it's it's just a staple it's a it's an endless staple and maple syrup and paul's maple syrup is, is amazing oh yeah. there you go yeah. i could yeah. see that definitely so paul you mentioned that your daughter is now working with you yeah, so she's been. I mean, she has three very young children, but uh, two of them are off at school, and and uh, she'll often like today. She'll she'll bring the youngest, and the youngest will go in the back, and I give her a nickel a box, and she makes boxes in the in the storage area, and and my daughter Cerise is is out helping me, and we're making we're we're processing uh, Lovna, and uh, she's just learning how to run a business. It's beautiful. It's really the the most wonderful gift that Emmy and Lori has given me is this, this growing relationship with my daughter because she has really a passion for this Lebna and uh, is enjoying all the surprises, all the, the new newness of a new product. Um, so it's that part of it has been really wonderful. And I, you know, I, we joke about a five-year plan. We had a five-year plan for me to retire five years ago, but that's not going to happen. <laughs> Maybe another a fresh reset on that, and we'll, maybe it'll be another five years. And sorry, Paul. Sorry, we were worth your time. That's okay. I don't know what I would do with myself. So, um, I would also go back to the the, the Lovna, and uh, occasionally Emmy and Lori will bring a sample of try this with the Lovna, and some of them have been absolutely amazing. Um, I don't know if uh, you want me to share every all the crazy concoctions, but the harissa honey was just tremendous. Uh, yeah, really. that, that combination with the labna was yeah. was. I just don't know how you would even thought to put those two together, but <laughs> it was great. And this is something you can make at home. Um, you basically add harissa, like maybe like a a teaspoon to a bunch of honey and mix it, and uh, by itself, it's delicious. But if you add it to labneh, to something that's like tangy and salty, it's, uh, you know, out of this world. It's really, really good. Oh, that sounds really good. Um, so, and, and yeah, and then going in the future, we, you know, we, we are thinking about um, different flavors and different versions of this product. Um, we're not quite there yet. We're still in growth mode um, and, and, you know, introducing our plain product. But that that is uh, to come. Well, you guys caught my attention and I did try it. And I have to say, yeah, it's not like any of the Lavna I've had at like, you know, the places that I, where I've had it before, like mostly, you know, restaurants. Um, but I have to say it's, 
it's exciting to see there's new products coming out, new collaborations, and out of Philadelphia, too. I think if there's any other lessons to get from this, it's that you can be a cheesemaker anywhere, <laughs> and you can find people to connect with and, um, and create new communities. And I think it's interesting, too, that Yoav at Perry said is also making a cream cheese. So I, again, I think that the, the fresh, uh, you know, the fresher cheeses and spread styles, uh, they, you know, yes, there are challenges with making something with short shelf life. Um, but, uh, but it's really exciting to see all these innovations coming out of places that aren't, aren't the, you know, the normal pastoral places you would associate with cheese making. Yeah, I mean, we, Philly has an incredible cheese scene. There's a lot of folks here um, that, you know, I, I'm sure are familiar to uh, a lot of cheese professionals that know, um, you know, uh, th this area. And, and uh, But there's a lot of uh, really uh, amazing and innovative um, dairy producers here. And, you know, it, it, it's a funny state, Pennsylvania, because we have these two huge cities, Philadelphia and Pittsburgh. Um, and in between them is all rural you know, beautiful pastoral country with lots of cows and lots of excellent high quality milk. So, um, it, it makes sense for us to, to be in the game. Um, and I just wanted to say the great thing about Labna is that it's one of those products, one of those foods that's very simple and yet at the same time, uh, can be very complex. I think, Sometimes people think, well, I'll just buy some yogurt and strain it and add salt and I'll have labanate. And they will. And it might be uh, very delicious. But um, to, to replicate what it really is supposed to taste like, what people are experiencing around the world, um, you need great yogurt. Um, so yes, you can definitely use uh, Paul's amazing yogurt. But at the same time, uh, I, I do want to say that it did take us a long time to perfect our system and uh, we're still working on it. Uh, so the amount of draining, the right temperatures for draining um, and the right type of salt, the right salt concentration, just to get it to resemble um, what we grew up with uh, actually did take a lot of work. And so I think that that is sort of the beauty of this product is that it has, and you know, and that's why I think love is a great name for it, Lavna, because um, it's one of those simple, traditional dishes um, that if you make it with love, it comes out amazing. If you put some attention and some extra work and effort behind it, you're going to get an amazing product. Um, and I think our collaboration has produced something really special and unique. Um, and we hope that people enjoy it as much as we do. Well, I just want to say thank you so much to Emmy and Lori and Paul for joining us on Cutting the Curd. Thank you for sharing your histories and your passion for your yogurt and your lavna and your collaboration. Well, thank you so much for having us. We're really grateful for this opportunity. And uh, this was so much fun. Yes, Jessica, thank you so much. It was such a pleasure meeting with you and speaking with you today. So much fun. Thank you for listening. Always check us out at Cutting the Curd on your favorite streaming platform. And back episodes are available. You can always visit heritageradionetwork.org. And we look forward to seeing you on Instagram and all of that good stuff. Until next time. 
heard is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.